The Church Media Podcast, episode 125, Saddleback's Online Worship Experience Strategy with Jay Cranda, part two. Let's do it. Hey there. Welcome to the Church Media Podcast. The definitive podcast for helping you create dynamic experiences and build solid media production teams at your church. We're bringing you knowledge and insight from top media professionals from around the world. Useful, practical content in the areas of live production, design, leadership, digital communications, and more. The show notes for this episode and all archive episodes of the show are available online now at the Church Media Podcast. Podcast.com. And now, broadcasting from the ministry headquarters of 1230 Media, here's your host, church media coach, Carl Barnhill. Episode number 125 of the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Before we get rolling this week, I want to give a quick plug for our custom church video announcements. Now, if you are looking to up your game in this area, the area of video announcements for your church. Uh, We offer premium quality, custom-made packages for your church. We even send a video guy out to your church to capture custom footage, custom B-roll of your congregation, your small groups, your kids and student ministries, your lobby areas, all uh, your worship uh, experiences, all of that. Uh, And we even give you that footage. If you sign on uh, with us for for a year of church announcements, we give you all of that footage so that you can use in your other video projects as well. It's all included in the price of announcements. So if you guys are are looking for a solution for video announcements that's top-notch, that's quality, uh, custom-made motion graphics packages, um, this isn't a cookie-cutter template type thing. This is custom built for your church. Every segment is custom uh, built based on your specific announcement. So if you would like uh, more information on this, feel free to check it out at 1230.media forward slash announcements, 1230.media forward slash announcement. This week, I welcome back Jay Cranda from Saddleback Church to the show. Jay and I continue our in-depth look at how Saddleback Church executes their online worship experiences. We'll jump right into part two of my interview with Jay right after this. And now your church media tip of the week, useful tips and tricks to help you transform the worship experiences at your church. Here's Carl Barnhill. Hey guys, Carl here with another church media tip. One important feature of any presentation software is stage display. It gives you the ability to show aspects of your presentation software to the band and speakers on stage without showing the same thing to your audience. It's a very valuable feature. I've seen churches set up a teleprompter confidence monitor in a couple of very effective ways. Number one, if you have one machine, you can set up the stage display to show lyrics and other information to your band, that's one. Number two, uh, another option is for you to have a dedicated teleprompt machine running ProPresenter that does nothing but provide content to your teleprompt monitor. This is the preferred option because you can make changes and communicate with those on stage without interrupting your main lyric machine. It also provides another volunteer opportunity that is a great entry point for less technically skilled volunteers. With either method, however, you set it up, you can use stage display to your advantage. So in this church media tip, I'm gonna give you two 
ways or two tips for using stage display. Number one, collaborate with your worship leader and your speakers. Nothing can substitute for this. You and your counterparts on stage must work together. You are one team, you have to work as one. Schedule time with your worship leader to know what benefits the band on stage. Do they prefer two lines of lyrics or five lines of lyrics on teleprompt? Uh, if you don't have a dedicated machine, I suggest that you don't go beyond three lines of lyrics on one slide. Get five to 10 minutes with your speaker sometime during the week or when you can before the service begins, preferably sometime during the week. Ask them and yourself questions like, what notes are beneficial for the team to see? Do they need a counter? What is your plan to communicate to them if something crashes or goes wrong? The more you plan these events during the week and the more prepared you and your team are, the less stress is felt on Sunday. Here's my tip number two, have a clean layout. If your stage display boxes are on top of each other, or if it's too much to look at, it can be very hard for you to have clear communication with your team on stage. I suggest having no more than four boxes on your stage display at one time. Too much going on can be confusing and defeat the purpose of your stage display. So I hope these tips will help you as you use the stage display feature in your presentation software. Get more free coaching for your production team through our blog, podcast, and online resource library. Visit 1230.media slash training today. This is an exclusive interview from the Ministry of 1230 Media. Here is church media coach, Carl Barnhill. Okay, let's get real practical here. I'm a church that I have no, um, I, I may be streaming, um, but I, I don't have an online campus or I don't do church online. What are some practical steps that I can take to get there? Yeah, I, I think the big thing would be um, I would start with, you know, revisit your website, even try to grab somebody who's new, new to your church and just get their opinion on your website, your Facebook presence, your Instagram presence. You know, even your email presence, like, are you sending a weekly email or a monthly email? You know, ask them all those questions. And the newer the person, the better you can go, like, what do you think about our website? Start start there. Start with your digital presence overall. And so have those opinions and make those changes. And I, I think one of the easiest things to do is just once you hear that feedback, just apply a couple things immediately. Go into your website and make some changes and do that stuff. One of the hardest things, you know, it's just like forming a habit. It's just, how do you make a habit? You just got to do it. So I think start thinking about it and re and just continually. Okay. So get your digital presence to at least, you know, 30% better. Just work on it. And then what I would say is start Facebook living, uh, have somebody there, either use their phone, uh, make sure that on your phone, if you do it on your phone, make sure that you go to your phone settings and go to uh, call forwarding. So you, if somebody calls you during it, it doesn't kill the stream. That's like probably the number one hack I would probably tell people. Um, but start just set up set up your service and start streaming your services on your phone. If if you have the equipment, you know, get a Mevo, which is a camera where you can Facebook Live, or you can get a better camera. And but start Facebook Living your services. But when you Facebook Live, have somebody have you know tell the tell the you know talk to them online. Whoever's preaching that day or talking that day, you know, say, hey, by the way, if you're watching us online, thanks for joining us. By the way, we're located in San Antonio. You can learn more, more about it here. Do a quick shout out at the beginning, at the end, and 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 tell tell those in the congregation 
that this is a huge opportunity to to share your faith. Like if there was somebody that didn't hear this service, you know, go on our Facebook page and share it and to start with Facebook Live. And so getting your digital presence, uh, you know, kind of just a little bit better, getting some feedback from some new people in the church, and then uh, start Facebook Living, I think, are the easiest things to get going. And once that starts kind of solidifying and people start seeing the numbers of like, wow, that reached a lot of people, then you can start moving into what if we take this more seriously? We bought some better cameras. We kind of made, we, we kind of, we gave 10 hours a week to a pastor on staff to kind of just kind of think about it. That's where you can jump on the churchonlineplatform.com and they will provide you a free website, a subdomain where you can actually stream your content, um, both on demand and live. You can integrate it through a Vimeo or a YouTube video or your live streaming, and they will provide a live chat experience and next step items. And it's this, it's this template that you can do community. And so, and then once you start doing that stuff, that's where I would jump into. And this would be like my, my really high recommend recommendation is that there's a ministry called cvoutreach.com. If you go to cvoutreach.com, they help ministries qualify for the, for the Google grant, the $10,000 a month of free money that a ministry can use. And, and what they'll do is that they will actually help you get qualified. You need an EIN number, um, just your nonprofit status. So if, if you're a new church plant, you don't have that yet. You have to wait till you get that number. And they will help you get free ad money. And what will happen is they will help you align all this stuff digitally and start thinking about reaching people. So digital presence, Facebook living. Then, then the church online platform, and then cvoutreach.com to help you get some free advertisement money to find people locally. That, that would be kind of my, I think, my first steps to kind of help you get going. So what does it mean to position my church online? What are the steps that I can take to, to do that? Yeah, I, I think a, a lot of it comes down to thinking about who are you trying to go after, I think a lot of churches I, I, I normally would start there is who are you trying to reach? Have you had conversations about who's your prime target? And so if you're trying to reach a, you know, a 30 year old male who has, you know, kids, um, you know, you start thinking about, okay, I'm reaching that person. Then I, our church needs to adapt for that target. And the reason why that's relevant, because depending on who you're reaching, you might pick different platforms. So if, if I'm reaching a Chinese male um, who lives in China, I'm going to pick WeChat over Instagram because WeChat is their platform of choice. If I'm choosing a, uh, a, uh, an Arab individual or an, a Persian individual in Iran, I'm going to pick Telegram. That's going to be more their platform of choice. And so, but in, in America, in Southern California, if I'm going after a 30 year old, they might spend a little bit of time on Facebook and a lot more time on Instagram. And so when you're positioning your church online, I, I would even, I would jump one step back and just say, you're doing these things because you're going after a certain person. So it's, and sometimes the easiest thing for us to do as, as people, as humans, and, and I'm in the same boat is that we're in the room and sometimes we forget we're so churched. And we're so stuck in our certain bubble that we forget about, really, it's not about what my opinion is about Facebook, but it's about the people that's in our congregation, the people we want to be in our congregation's opinion. So I don't get on Instagram and start caring about Insta stories because I might go like, this is just another thing I got to do now. This is crazy. But I start going, no, I'm doing Insta stories because most likely the people I'm reaching 
are doing Insta stories and they're clicking through Insta stories and they're going to want to see our church's presence or our pastor's presence there. And so it's kind of a kick in the rear to go like, I'm doing this because of the people who are reaching. And so you start positioning yourself online by having a website, thinking about it, having an email strategy, having a Facebook strategy, having an Instagram strategy, thinking about these things. And instead of putting, I would say, the de facto, everything happens in person, start thinking about, no, is that how we work now? Like, no, I, how, you know, I'm an Amazon Prime user, so how many things do I actually go to the store and pick up, and how many times do I get it online? And that's why it's this both-in strategy of, you know, people want stuff online, and the same thing our church, we should resource online. That doesn't mean everything's got to be online, but that means we got to start thinking about the digital strategy, the online strategy shouldn't be this secondary thing. It should be integrated to our core strategy. So maybe, you know, like when we're, when we have a, a, some kind of event locally, maybe we should stream it. And it's not because we don't stream it because we're afraid people won't show up physically, but we think about, no, there might be people with young kids that can't come this weekend. There might be people traveling. There might not be, you know, somebody might be sick. And so people will want to go stream it. It's the same thing with, you know, uh, uh, you know, a basketball game. How many people want to show up physically? No, there's, you know, I want to watch that game. Maybe not real time. I'll record it because I'm at something, but I want to watch the DVR. The same thing with our church events. And sometimes we've so relied on people just physically showing up that there's a value to that, but the online strategy now should just be, it should be just integrated. And I think as a church, if you're wanting to be online, you're doing it because of who you're going after and you're doing it because it's, it's what they value, and, it, and you have the ability to integrate it and think strategically about it. What are some challenges that I would face when it comes to worship? Is there legal or like the CCLI stuff? Is there any challenges like that or anything else when it comes to worship? Yeah, you, you do need to have a, uh, a licensing um, kind of contract, or, you know, and there's ways you can go about doing that. Um, and so specifically... It used to be a lot tougher, um, for sure, years ago. And Facebook, um, early on, and YouTube used to just kill you. Um, they would block your stream. So I know a couple of ministries, they start, when they started Facebook Live, their worship, what happened is they, they would get, I know one church that got blocked twice and got unblocked twice. And so don't be discouraged if something like that happened. I think for a lot of ministries, um, the way you can get around that, if you are feel, fearful about that or if somebody in your leadership is fearful, you can always just stream the message at start to kind of get credibility. And I think that's the hard part is sometimes people jump too deep into this or sometimes I'll talk to somebody like, my church just doesn't really understand this. And I would always say, well, you got to make the argument. you got to get better at your pitch. And maybe you don't need to jump into online groups. You know, Maybe you just need to start streaming. And I would say for a lot of people, if that's something you're scared about, and you're not ready to, to kind of jump into that, you know, just start streaming your, your messages only at the start, but you can get a, uh, a licensing agreement so you can um, uh, qualify for the streaming of it um, and also the playback. And so for us, what we do um, to kind of, to, to deal with the legality, we only stream our full service for one week. So it's, it's our full service is live streamed and then it's, available for playback for seven days. And then we only archive the messages. So the idea is that we, you have the live stream on our online campus page. You also have the full service playback for seven days. And then on the eighth day, you go to our archive section. And so we do that because we can't archive our, our music because the music, you know, we're paying for our, the rights for it, but we don't have the, we don't have digital rights to archive it. And so we do. And because 
a live streaming and then playback, um, you know, kind of a DVR playback that's temporarily available kind of falls in that same licensing. There's a little bit of a gray area there. So that allows us to have it on there and it's only available there. And then we delete it. So it kind of archives. And so I, that's the way we do it. There's a lot of ways other, some people don't live stream, like Life Church doesn't live stream at all. They only do playback. And so that allows them to kind of do different things, but everyone's a little different, but I think there's a lot of ways um, you can do it now. And, and, and there's a lot of ways you can do it legally and, and you can be in good standing. So how do people respond to the preaching? Um, is there a different way that people engage with preaching online versus offline? Like, How do you see that? How do you measure it? Yeah, I mean, so for us, we, with our church paradigm, we have a lot of things around that, how we gauge spiritual health. So for us, it's how many response cards were filled out, how many people have taken our membership class, how many people are in a small group, how many people are tithing. Those are ways that we would say the effectiveness of preaching or, you know, moving down. So, yeah, we might have, you know, 20,000 who watched this week, but, you know, we only had 30 people fill out a response card. That might show that there was a miss in actions. And so we, that's how we would, a lot of, a lot of times we were really big on response cards. So we had something a couple of weeks ago where, you know, uh, our pastor was talking about engaging in this next series and we had a thousand people fill out a response card. And for us, we go, wow, that was a huge, um, that was a huge response. And so, um, that's what gets, that's how we engage that. And, and our model is a little different because we, I know that part of our online community, I have a portion of our community. Um, that is also pastors that is, you know, my pastor is a pastor to pastors. So I, honestly, a lot of times I don't even think about our large number because it's kind of a mesh of people. I think about the amount of people in our small groups. That's kind of my core community. Um, and so for, for a lot of people, the way that they engage the preaching is through the response card and some of those deeper commitments. And then also, um, you know, you have the chat room, the live chat that's available, but I, 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 you know, I'm not really a big proponent of the live chat. I think the live chat has a lot of value for those who want it then, but it, it's not it's not a natural thing to be watching a service and chatting. It doesn't happen in the worship service, and it's not very natural online. A lot of people just go full screen and are engaging. So the live chat kind of is only a really great tool for those who really need it. And so it's really, you know, less than 1% of our total community engage in our live chat because a lot of people are full screen and they're already in small groups. And so, but yeah, so, you know, the live chat is one tool, the next, the, and the response card would probably be for me the most effective tool or having some kind of covenant commitment form that somebody can take to kind of show, Hey, are you in on this weekend? And, you know, are you engaging? And so we do that most months. We have something like that. That's really clear to know how many people are engaged. So you mentioned groups. Talk to me about, building a funnel uh, to move people from just watching the live stream to engaging and, and being involved in a group? Yeah, so the, we have, you know, what we want is, you know, we want to move people from, you know, the crowd into the community and all, you know, and all the way down to be commissioned to reach, reach their community. But that starts with a kind of come and see, come and die model. And so uh, somebody will be invited to watch online, they will be called to fill out a response card where they'll learn about the importance of not just being a watcher, but actually being a member of something. And they'll take our membership class, which is offered on demand. It's a class that it's a, it's a, it's a three and a half hour class. And at the end of it, uh, there's a call to action for them to, uh, 
know Jesus personally and be baptized by full immersion and also commit to being a member. And so when they make that commitment in that three-and-a-half-hour class, teaches them what that means, uh, they're, through that process, after they make that, they're called to learn the importance of you can't do your life alone. you got to be with other people, and they're called to either join a group or start a group. You need other people you're doing life with, and that's where we provide a way for people online to be in a group. And we provide resources for them to access from anywhere. They can stream content, access discussion guides, and we offer them training and really removing the individual into a community experience. And so really a lot of my, I tell a lot of people that a lot of my, uh, I would say a lot of my responsibilities as an online pastor is really just a small group pastor. And I just have this online venue to get people connected. And so I want everybody to be in a group because I know if they're in a group of five people, I don't care if your church is 500 or 25,000, you know, even at 500, I could walk into a room with 200 people and feel alone. And the same thing is true with a church of 25,000, but I need five other people that I'm doing life with. And so, you know, my, my community at my church, you know, last night, actually, I just, we had small group and we had, uh, you know, we had, um, you know, we had eight people in the room. And when I think about my church, I think about my small group. And so I'm living, I'm not talking to Pastor Rick about my thing. I'm talking to my small group about what's going on in my marriage or what's going on in other relationships. And so the same thing on mine. So I'm quickly moving them from a, from a watcher take a next step, take our membership class and get into a group. And so, and then a lot of the way we encourage our people to live out their faith, the, the great commandment, the great commission is in the context of that group. And so you serve others in that group, you serve others in your community, you do a, a, a ministry project as a community, you grow together, you go through different curriculum to help them and different curriculum has different topics so that they're well-rounded and they're healthy. And so that's a lot of how we do our funnel and our ministry online is get them into a group and then, we have a pastor and a team that makes sure all of our groups are healthy. We do that by making sure that the groups are responsive. Are they responding to our emails and our calls? Are they going through, what curriculum have they gone through? Have they taken our health assessment? Has the host gone through our leadership training? And if, if they do these things, then I know that they're most likely a healthy group. It doesn't guarantee that they're healthy, but I know that they've been trained. And then a lot of, again, a lot of it is just ongoing training and ongoing curriculum. And so again, our, our group's, is a main vehicle of how we create disciples in, in our context. So it becomes really easy because it's just like, hey, get into a group. And then we have these on-demand classes like our class one-on-one, which kind of facilitates why that's important. So is my goal to have my online community there as a temporary, like a holding place to ultimately physically come to my church? Or are you creating community there for them to stay there uh, is it a mixture of both? Uh, walk me through that. Yeah, yeah. So we, so it's. So I, I would say, if anybody has a healthy church in their area, you know, we're always like, go to that. You know, I, I've actually, I, I, I've told this story. You probably, maybe, you've heard it because of maybe I, I forget how you how we first met, but uh, you know, I, I had a young kid who um, came to Jesus online. Um, he was like 13 and he started watching online and he told me he committed his life to Jesus. So I called him and I found out he lived in Anderson, South Carolina. And, um, you know, I, I had a friend on staff at, at, at New Spring. And so I, I knew, uh, I knew about the church. I had been to the church. And um, so I was like, that's a great church. And uh, this was years ago. 
and I connected him to that church. And so that was a prime example. I was like, I don't want you to be part of my community, you know, not in a mean way, but I want you to be part of a great church in a great city. And so that's really easy. The same thing if somebody tells me, you know, there's no great churches in Dallas. I know that they're fibbing, you know, there's tons of churches in Dallas that are amazing. And so that becomes really easy. So for a lot of our community, if you're in an area that there is churches, it's really easy. But I will say as somebody who's been doing this for, for seven years now, that it, it becomes really hard to recommend a great church in all areas in the country and then even the world. It just, it's really hard. It, it isn't as black or white. Some people might go, well, there's churches everywhere. Yeah, there might be like 300,000 churches in America or whatever, but like, you know, can you really verify it's a good church and it's not a cult? And I think that's the thing that gets really problematic. And so for, for us, we recommend, a, we recommend churches if I, know, if I know of a church or if I know somebody there and I can verify it. Uh, but for a lot of people, what we do is that we provide a community for them and an option for them to grow up to a point that can be a full expression of the church. So if they're starting a group in their home and they're 10 people and they're living out everything, then I, I believe that that can be the church and that can satisfy everything the church can be if they're doing it right. But if you're doing that and you're just watching by yourself and it's been a year and you're not really doing any of the things we're saying and we're kind of enabling, we'll tell them, hey, by the way, you know, this is not working. You need to have people in your home. You need to be the church. And they're like, no, I can't do that. Then I would say, hey, you know, you need to join the church locally if you're not going to do the things that you need to do. We're not going to enable you. So for a lot of people, it makes a lot of sense for them just to go to a church. And what, what we find is we provide a kind of a jump start kind of shot in the arm to why that's important. And we'll have people two years into our community that will be like, you know what, I'm just going to start going to my local church because I, I think that they could be a better resource because they'll want certain things online. You know, they're like, uh, you know, do you do this? And I'm like, no, we only do this. And they're like, you know, I think I'm going to go to my church locally. And they'll not realize that technically the last two years, they've learned the importance of going to church and we provide a jump start, And that is a great win. So yes, I think for a lot of people, we kind of provide a way to encourage them to eventually go to something or find something. But there is a percentage of people that I will say, and I, and I put it into kind of three categories. There are people that are sick that may not able, ever be able to physically uh, go to church because of just, you know, they're either disabled or they're dying. They're in a season of, you know, like they just can't. And so that's where church online can be a permanent option. They're also in a maybe intense season of life where um, they're uh, traveling a lot or they have young kids where that might be a temporary person that might only engage with us for that season, you know, work dynamics and so forth. And then there's people that are in security issues where they're in a part of the world that they can't physically go to church um, and they engage with us. And that might be a temporary or a permanent issue. And there's a lot of people I, I, I work with. I work with one ministry uh, one of the largest ministries that does online ministry in Iran. And I will tell you what the church, what church online, what's happening there is amazing what is happening. And it's literally the only option for them in a lot of cases. And so that's happening all throughout the Middle East and in China in different places. So it's a, so a lot of times it's like really easy. Yes. It makes a lot of sense cases. Yes. We can be a permanent option for some good reasons. Right. Um, talk to me about measurement. Um, how do you measure your effectiveness? What are the, what are some of your metrics look like? Yeah. So we, we do a couple things. Um, I, so we do a 30 minute number for a lot of our content streaming online. 
So we'll do, um, we actually created this. We did a custom script, our, our team did, where we want, we don't just look at how many users will visit our page in a given um, week, but we'll actually look at retention. And so we do a thing where we ping you every five minutes and after six weeks, we count you as one. So when I, when I'll say like, you know, 17,000 people watched this past weekend, it's not users. It's actually 17,000 people watched at least 30 minutes of the content. And so that's kind of a core metric for us to know that people are actually engaged and it isn't just a, a bounce kind of thing that, you know, they bounce after 30 seconds. Facebook Live will do retention. You can actually go to, you know, minutes watch and you can see how many people retain for at least a 30-minute number. So we might have, went, you know, we, you know, I think two weeks ago we had 20,000 people watch, had views of this content, but only 1% had actually watched at least 30 minutes of the content, the Facebook live stream. So I'm not reporting the 20,000 number. I'm reporting the 1,000 number. So that's kind of our core weekend metric that we use. Um, and I think that's helpful to kind of do deeper engagement. And then we do um, location. I'll do, uh, I'll use um, on Google Analytics for most of what we use is Google Analytics data. And so I'll do a location number, how many people watched in our metro area in Southern California on a given week. So that might be 35% watched in Southern California. And then I'll report the other data point as how many people watched who were far. And that gives me a real sense of how many people are in my target. So the 35% aren't really, I would say, in my immediate fold. The, the, the other percent is what I'm actually going after. So look in the 30-minute number. The geo area helps me give perspective of how many people are part of my community, really, or I can kind of, like, move them deeper into my funnel. Response cards, how many response cards or engagement every week, and we, we, we report that number every week. We look at that, always trying to increase engagement. How many people are taking our membership class? How many people are in a small group? And then um, how many people are tithing regularly? Not the amount, but how many people have an active t giving date on their account? So those all kind of are, kind of I would say, are a core metrics that help me measure the health of my community. All right. Tell me about some of the practical things that you uh, might think that you, you can't do online, like communion or giving is pretty. Uh, we, we know how that works now, but talk to me about things like communion or or um, other things that um, you, you might not think that you could do online? Yeah, so the, I think the big ones are, you know, there's two things. There's things you can do online, and there's things you can facilitate or encourage to do offline through an online stream. And so for us, communion is one of those things that, you know, what we'll do is that uh, we will encourage people to get the, you know, the items to participate before our service. So if we are doing communion, and a lot of what we do is we'll send a, uh, an email to our, our community, our email list, and say, hey, by the way, we're doing communion this weekend. Make sure you have, you know, crackers and, and, and you know, grape juice ready to participate. And when the pastor goes through it, you just follow along at home. And we do that individually, and we also encourage our, our small groups to do it in their homes together. And so we'll do a lot of that stuff. Um, that, that used to be a lot more, I would say, problematic years ago. It's a lot more easier because people just understand oh, yeah, I'm just going to participate, and we just have to give a reminder or a heads up. Um, I think baptism is one of the ones that's a little bit more difficult to facilitate from afar because uh, there's some training that has to happen. And so in our context, you know, we actually provide some training. If you are a believer, uh, you come to Jesus, you live far, we either give you the option that you can come to us, you can almost have a—you can, you can drive to us or fly to us, 
Um, and we really stress that baptism in our context, you know, baptism isn't part of salvation, so you don't need to rush it. And we'd much rather you do it right than incorrect. And so let, let, let's 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 honor the biblical expression of baptism and not rush it. Um, let, let, let's do it right. But if not, we'll uh, we'll ask, do you have another follower of Jesus that lives in your area? We can train them to baptize you, and we have training in an email and audio where we'll show them this is how you baptize. And then I'll set up a three-way call with the person doing the baptism and the person getting baptized, and I'll verify, does everybody know what's going to happen? And they do the baptize, the, the baptism, and they share that. And so we can facilitate that from afar. But that's not something that I would say is is super scalable because um, a lot of people, um, you know, we, we've done that tens of times, but we haven't done it hundreds of times because it, it's, a, it's a big commitment for somebody to do that. But I want to do more of those because I think that's really encouraging, especially when you're thinking about a small group baptizing each other. That's really cool. Um, and so that's, the, you know, those are probably the two sacraments that people think about. And then, you know, on top of it, you got, you know, obviously weddings and funerals that are really hard. And so that's something that we have not done, any of them, um, from afar. You know, I've not flown anywhere to facilitate that. Uh, and I think that's I think that's one of the big things that as an online community, that's really hard to facilitate because either you have to come here or we have to go to great lengths. And so we are, I would say, philosophically, a lot of our goal in building up a local small group, I would say down the line, is ultimately we would want that local small group, if it was growing, we'd want them to become their own church, you know, in a way, and kind of spin off and provide your own type of support locally. So we might provide oversight as kind of a network, but locally your small group becomes your community. So who's going to do the baptism? Well, it's the it's the host of that group or the pastor of that group, you know. But that's something that obviously not every group, we have a lot of groups, but not, not every group is at that phase. And so that's where um, I think it, it depends on the health of a group. So if somebody passes away or somebody needs baptism, it just depends how new the group is. and And it might be too new to be able to do that. And obviously, I think about in Scripture, Paul writing to different people, and the newer the group, the more the problems, and the more mature the group, the less the problems. And so I think I think we, we ran into that. We're like, you know, if, if the group is a veteran group, then they get it. Like, they know every member is, is a minister, and they have the same Holy Spirit as the pastor, and they can do that. And so it provides some training and coaching. But that, again, that, that's a very advanced thing that not a lot of people are going to be doing. But because we provide, I would say we, because I am, I am the online pastor. I'm able to think about those things. I have a, a small group pastor that is under me that we're we're thinking about our community. We can facilitate more. But baptism and, and communion are a lot, a, in a lot of ways, are a lot easier to facilitate. And then a lot of these other things are stuff that, you know, there's ways you can facilitate it, but it becomes a little bit more difficult. And you got to figure out how to get that training and stuff online. But there's some cool stuff a lot of churches are doing now from afar. Well, man, thank you so much for your time today. Um, just a question before we leave you today. How do we um, get resources to to know how to do church online better? Um, I know you have a website with some training and things like that. Tell us about that and any other place that we can go. Yeah, so uh, yeah, on my website, I have a free uh, course about how to do uh, church online effectively. Uh, just go to jcranda.com, um, and I, I, I unpack kind of this funnel in more detail. And then I have a Facebook page, Healthy Online Church, where I regularly share different insights and learnings, both, you know, good and bad learnings of what's working and what's not working. I did a whole series, actually one of my favorite things I've, I've done in the last year 
is um, if you go to jcranda.com slash funnel, I interviewed about, I think it was like 10 to 15 different churches doing online ministries, and I had them just share their funnel. And so, and every, everything from large churches to small churches. And actually, if you just went through and watched all those and you just, you know, again, you just got to steal all this content, you know, it, it, it was an amazing thing that I got to participate and just hear from a bunch of friends and new people. And so go to jcranna.com slash funnel, learn from these 15 churches and you can just see like, cause again, I think that's the hard part is, you know, Saddleback does something very uniquely because of our ministry paradigm and your ministry paradigm, yes, we might have the same goals, but it might look a little different for your community that you're going after. It's not about a cookie-cutter template. You've got to roll it out in a very unique way. And so that's why I did that funnel series, because I wanted to show everybody, look, this is how this church is doing effectively. This is how this church is doing effectively. There's so many amazing churches doing stuff, and I think we should all learn from each other. So just on my website, sign up for the course and, and check out the funnel series and, you know, like, like, like the page on Facebook if you, want to, if you want to stay more engaged for regular updates. Yeah. Well, dude, thank you so much for, for your time. Um, this has been incredible insight. So thank you so much for sharing with us. Yeah. No, thank you. This has been an all-access interview from 1230 Media. For more interviews, training, and exclusive content for your production team, visit 1230.media slash training. When I was uh, 10, 11 years old, life was tough. And I found some songs that I just, man, I, I held on to. And they got me through. They gave me hope. Because I needed it. Maybe tonight, so do you. Dad, why don't you come watch me sing? Dreams don't pay the bills. You're not ready. I don't think you found your song, found your soul. Let that pain become your inspiration. Then you'll have something that people can believe in. My dad was a monster, and I saw God transform him from a man that I hated into the man I wanted to become. And so I wrote this for my dad. song just kind of happened took about 10 minutes i guess it didn't take you 10 minutes to write this it took a lifetime i can only imagine i can only imagine in theaters march 16th show notes for this episode and all archive episodes of the show are online at the churchmediapodcast.com you can also pick up a free transcript from this episode if you want to take notes or write down or archive anything that we've mentioned in this episode. Uh, We've also given you tons of free resources that go along with the content of this particular episode. It's all at thechurchmediapodcast.com, thechurchmediapodcast.com.
on the next Church Media Podcast. Next week on the show, I welcome Cade Young. Cade is the founder of Collaborate Worship. He works to find effective ways to help worship leaders. We'll be talking about church sound and some tips on leading worship. So be here for that. Check out the producer of our show at davidmichaelhyde.com. He is a master of all things. It's a privilege hanging out with you guys every week. Go out there and create some incredible experiences this weekend. I'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to the Church Media Podcast. Please take a minute today to rate and review the show in iTunes. For show notes, archive episodes, and more free resources for your team, visit thechurchmediapodcast.com. We'll catch you right here next week for another episode of the Church Media Podcast. 